Hey guys, welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. I'm Judah Thomas, the lead pastor, and we thank you for joining us today as we discover what God's Word has to say to us. If you enjoy the podcast, we'd encourage you to leave a rating, review, share it with your friends or family, and we hope you enjoy today's message. We are uh, actually finishing up our uh, series called Get Rich Quick. And we've been going at this for, for several weeks now, and we're coming to an end, wrapping this up. And this is how to get rich quick without adding a dime to your income. And, uh, and last week, we talked about relationships. I'm just curious, did anybody uh, go out of their way to go out to eat with somebody or to have a meal with somebody this past week? Okay, some of you guys, the rest of you guys, your homework is due still, okay? So, so you have no excuse just take a moment and look to your left, look to your right. You see some people. Pick the one that looks the less strange and uh, and say, hey, you want to grab a coffee this week? Because uh, we want to encourage you to build some relationships uh, with each other. And, and, man, that is a way that we can grow rich in our lives is by going through life together with other people. So we're going to be continuing that and wrapping it up this week. And this, uh, the title of today is actually The Secret of Greatness. The Secret of Greatness. Does anybody ever aspire to be great? Does anybody want to be great? Okay, like eight of you. Like, what are the rest of you want to be? Like, I want to be substandard, you know? Somewhere in the middle, you know? No, I mean, I think deep down inside, we all have aspirations to be great. Uh, maybe as time goes on in life, we start to realize that our our dreams of being an astronaut aren't going to come true, maybe. And, and so we s- set our sights a little bit lower. But I think that there's a secret to greatness. You know, it's one thing to be rich, but it's another thing to be great, isn't it? I mean, there's plenty of rich people out there, but there's not many great people out there. And, and in Scripture, we see this story, and I find it one of the more awkward stories in the New Testament. And it's about these two brothers, James and John, and they come up to Jesus with an interesting question. And, because see, they feel that Jesus, he's coming to set up this kingdom, and he's going to rule and reign. So they want to get into the ground floor. So they say, Jesus, would it be okay with, when you get into your kingdom— if, if, you know, we have places of honor, maybe we can be like, maybe, you know, he, he could be on the left and I could be on the right or maybe the other way around. Maybe I could be on the left and he could be on the right. But, but can we get our, our, you know, our little seats reserved there when you get into your kingdom? Now, as you can imagine, the other followers of Jesus were a little bit ticked off about that. You know, it's like, like, what are you doing jockeying up. What are you doing brown nose in the Messiah here? What are you doing trying to trying to position yourself for, for some position? So they started kind of getting upset, and Jesus shut it down. He said, you know, there's people out there, there's leaders out there that love to walk around wearing a title. They love to lord it over. And I don't know if you ever met somebody like this, but, but you know, they, they're a great person to hang around with. Man, you guys are working together. They're a great person. And then they get promoted. And then everything changes, right? You give somebody a little bit of power, and they're like, okay, I'm in charge now. I'm in charge. And, and, and so they begin to lord it over. Nobody likes that. And in Mark 10, verse 43, Jesus says, not so with you. He says, instead, whoever wants to be great among you 
must be your servant. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. You know, he's not putting down being great. He's not saying, James, John, you guys are just jerks for wanting to be great. He never says, man, what are you doing trying to be great? That's a horrible idea. No, he never says, he says, oh, that, you know, that's good. You want to be great? That's fine, but here's how you do it. You want to be great. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. Verse 45 goes on saying, for even the son of man, he's talking about himself here. For even I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What, what do kings want? Kings want to be served, right? Kings want to be treated special. Kings want to, want to have many servants. And Jesus is saying, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. I came to serve. You know, the, the, the Greek word here that talks about servant and talks about slave, what these literally mean is, is a person who gives himself up to another person's will. I'm giving myself up for your will. It's like when you go to a restaurant. What's one of the things that always stands out to you more than anything? It's the service, right? Like, oh, the food's horrible, but the service is great, you know? Man, I'll go back there for the good service. Or, or you might go to a restaurant and they got good food, but the service is horrible. And man, I just never want to go back here again because they're there for you. They're there to serve you. Write this down if you're taking notes. Don't settle for being rich when God wants you to be great. Don't settle for just simply being rich when God's saying, I, I want you to be great. Jesus wants you to be great. Jesus wasn't discouraging greatness. He's not saying, oh, you just got to be, you know, a nothing. He wasn't upset at James and John for that, but he's saying, if you want to be great, if your desire is to be great, you need to serve others. So there was another part in Scripture, and, and Jesus, he was, uh, when he came to earth, he was a man just like us, and he was tired. He had been ministering to a lot of people, and he's tired, and he's with his disciples, and they're all tired and hungry, and they're kind of like, you know, we've been, we've been dealing with a lot of people lately. We just kind of want to chill out, just go to, you know, Starbucks and hang out. I don't think they had that, but, you know, whatever the equivalent was, go out and have some camel milk or something. And, and so... They just wanted to like hang out for a little bit. And, and here is the thing. When Jesus went somewhere, people followed him. So Jesus and his disciples are like, well, let's just go hang out for a little bit. And they go and they go up into these mountains and they're trying to hide from people. And then this huge crowd of people show up. Now, if you were Jesus, what would you do? I mean, like my thought is like, man, I'm trying to get alone. I got to hide better. I need to, I need to find a better place to hide and get away from everybody. But let's, look what it says in Mark 6, 34. It says, then Jesus saw the huge crowd as, as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And this is, this is shortly before he feeds them, you know, with the, with the, the loaves and the fish. But he sees compassion. He has compassion on them. And sometimes in life, we go through life and we see people around us all the time. And you know what we don't have? We don't have that compassion. We don't have that willing and that desire to serve. And in this world where 
where it's so easy to get complacent, Jesus looked out and he had compassion. He had compassion on them because he came not to be served, but to serve. I was thinking about heroes this past week. And you know what a, a hero is? I write this down. A true hero is simply one who serves. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, I mean, you'll see these things on the news sometime like, oh, there was a little baby like laying on the train track and a train was coming and somebody jumped out there and grabbed the baby and saved their life. Wow, they're a hero. And you know what they always say on the news, right? They say, oh, I just did what anybody would do. We're like, no, 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 you're a hero. And, and I'm thinking, no, they did just do what anybody would do. Like, like, you would have to be a horrible person to sit there like, well, there's a baby on a track. I'm not doing anything. Now, I'm not trying to say they're not heroes, but I'm, I'm just saying, like, like, honestly, like, anybody would do that, right? I mean, anybody would say, you know what? I'm willing to risk my life, and, there's, and there's, I can't just sit here and watch this happen. But then there's some heroes that they go beyond that, right? They look for opportunities. Sometimes uh, they, they have a job that, that's like that. You know, EMTs, firefighters, police officers, our, our military People that, that they look for opportunities. But regardless of whether whether it's like a, this one incident thing where they save the baby or, or whether it's a lifestyle of being heroic, what do they have in common? They put other people before themselves. They serve other people. You never hear of a hero who serves themselves, right? I mean, watch the superhero movies, right? I mean, Spider-Man, if he's like, no, you know what? I just want to go on vacation all the time. You know, I'm not getting paid enough for this. I mean, or, you know, Batman, Superman, any of these guys, what is the whole thing that they're all about? They're about serving other people. And that's what we look for in a hero. Anyhow, um, what we're going to do right now, I uh, I actually uh, asked Kirsten Murphy to come on, but she's going to share. She actually just spent um, like, I don't know, nine months Seven months, okay, close to this. So seven months and uh, in Madagascar uh, feeding lemurs and doing whatever. So I asked her to, to talk a little bit about that and kind of where servanthood has played in that. So why don't you guys give a warm welcome to Pearson. Thank you. All right. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Thank for so, um, yeah, seven months in Madagascar, I served with an organization called Mercy Ships. Um, I'm a nurse, so that's the capacity that I served in, but there are many other capacities to serve in this organization. Um, I briefly just wanted to thank everyone who contributed to my journey, those who donated financially and helped pay for my crew fees. Um, I actually didn't have to spend a dime on my own crew fees, thanks to all of you. Um, also, those that sent letters and stickers, they were very well used, and, um, and prayers, they were definitely very valuable. I just wanted to thank you for that. It is definitely exciting stuff to be a part of. Um, I personally served, um, I signed up to be a ward nurse, so I was going to be taking care of patients after they came out of surgery. I ended up on a wound care team, which I was very excited about. It's a little gross, but I love it. Yeah. Um, so specifically, the wound care team took care of the burn contracture patients that they mentioned, where, can I have a volunteer? Come on up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. You're going to burn me, are you? No, not both. No. All right. So for example, imagine Judah is a small child. And, <laughs> and this is 
hot coffee, water, oil, whatever, and it gets poured right here. This now has been burned through several layers of skin. And as skin, regular skin is elastic. As skin heals and becomes a scar, it tightens and your hand becomes like that. So we are able to remove the scar tissue, take donor skin from his leg and put the new skin here. So this particular with is um, helping to keep this free of infection, help graft actually take, cause it's not like, you know, just super glue or anything. It actually cells have to form between them. So thank you. Um, that was the majority of what I was able to do. I also worked with um, the orthopedic kids on the ward. That's kind of all the logistics and the details. As far as the experience, I just have one request um, before I go forward. Please, before you say, I could never do that, just consider this scripture with me. Um, I'm gonna be reading out of John 13, if you wanna turn there. I'm just gonna set it up for you briefly so we don't have to read the whole chapter. Um, Jesus and his close disciples are about to eat dinner, actually his last dinner, it's the last supper, and um, Jesus is sitting down. They have been hosted in a home, and for whatever reason, the common courtesy of foot washing was not provided. That was actually a very routine thing. Someone would welcome you. Would you like your feet washed? Sure, I'd like my feet washed. Okay, I'm going to get my servant to come do it. So that hadn't happened for whatever reason. Jesus is the guest of honor. And while they're sitting at the table about to have dinner, his disciples, again, are bickering about greatness and who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And so he, without a word, stands up from his place, takes off his outer robe, puts a towel around his waist, gets down on the ground and goes, all right, line up, I'm washing your feet. That's the equivalent of having Queen Elizabeth over your house and her going to wash your toilets. That was undignified. It was ridiculous for him to do something like that. So picking up in verse 12, when he, had finished, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set I have set for you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And what I wanted to take out of that is that serving is not about us. Jesus wasn't washing his own feet. Serving is about others. We each have the ability and capability to serve. And it will not look the same for each of us. I'm a nurse, I served as a nurse. You are something. Your carpenters, your electricians, your teachers, they need all of those on the ship, by the way. But seriously, you have something right in front of you. You have an ability in your hand and you have a need in your circle. Um, I'm gonna talk a little bit about when, when I served, my experience with serving. What I experienced was a huge level of fulfillment as soon as I walked on board. As soon as I started serving, I was just like, there is nothing better than this. I don't want a paycheck anymore. This is awesome. But the larger rewards of serving, I found are less like a lotto scratch off ticket and a lot more like an investment in a mutual fund. 
Serving is a culmination of the last three weeks we just talked about, gratitude, contentment, and relationships. When we take our abilities, our riches, and even the riches that we gain from those three qualities, being grateful, being content, and investing in relationships, when we take those things and instead of hoarding them to ourselves, turn them outward to the people around us, that's when we're choosing to really make an investment. Because we might not see the turnaround, we might not see the change right away, but there will be a change in their life. You will not see and experience all the rewards of serving immediately. Many things will make you feel rich quickly, but serving will make you rich permanently and eternally. I got to see lives and limbs restored and I did get to see some immediate changes in, in people's lives, their outlooks, their emotional state. But I won't really get to see their true outcomes. I'm not in Madagascar anymore. Did they make a full recovery? Did they have a relapse? Did they continue to do their physical therapy exercises we told them to do? Did they continue to follow God? I don't get to know that not on this side of heaven. Every two weeks on a Friday, the ladies that recover from their surgery, um, they have a special ceremony for them. We give them a new dress, we do their makeup, give them a hat, just really make them feel beautiful and um, celebrate their recovery and allow them to share um, their testimony and their thanks with us. And um, so I attended one of these ceremonies weeks and weeks later, and there she was finally all dressed up, and um, when she took the mic to share, many of the other ladies said, you know, thank you to the nurses, thank you to the doctors, thank you to the cooks. You know, I was, I was broken for 15 years and now I'm healed and went and sat down. She got up there and preached a full-on, like, motivational sermon about how faithful God is. To go from suicidal to sure of your future there is nothing. Proverbs 3:27 and 28. Proverbs 3:27 and 28. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, "Come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you," when you already have it with you. This again is my plea. You might not be a nurse, that's fine, but you are something. God has given you gifts and abilities and resources, and there are people around you who need that needs to be met. Don't say tomorrow, say later, meet the need. I just wanna close with this quote from Pastor Craig Groeschel that um, I just love as a declaration of what we are as a church. He says, we are not spiritual consumers. We are spiritual contributors. The church does we are the church, and we exist for the world. Thank you for your time. See, heroes look for opportunities to serve. They serve others, not existing just for themselves alone. In Matthew chapter, in Matthew chapter nine, verse thirty-seven, Jesus. He says to his disciples, the harvest is great, 
but the workers are few. Now, this harvest he's talking about is not a harvest of of grain or corn or any any crop like that. It's a harvest of of people that are in many ways ready to come to faith in Christ, they're ready to have their sins forgiven, they're ready to, to be set free from the things that have held them back for so long. He says, the harvest is great, but what? The workers are few. The workers are few. So so many people, you know, we, we go around in life and we always say, wow, this is great. Wow, this is, you know, great, you know, Kirsten went to Madagascar. But, but there is people in our own area that, that are, are just as without hope as people halfway around the world, that maybe God has called you to go halfway around the world, or maybe he's called you here. But it's important that we look for those opportunities to serve. But see, he says here in verse 30, he says, so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the field. And, you know, that, that's my prayer because, you know, we live in a, in a state, in a culture where many people have turned away from God. They've walked away from God. And my prayer is that he would raise up men and women and boys and girls within, uh, you know, our community here that will be able to reach out to people that are far from him. But it's interesting that he says, says he doesn't say the harvest is plentiful, but the money is few. It doesn't say that the land is, is too expensive. It doesn't say that they need all of the latest self-help book. The missing ingredient here is, is not pennies or parking lots or property or programs. The missing ingredient is people. People that are willing to serve. People that are willing to, to take that step, to step out and serve other people. You know, my, my personal life story, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm pastoring Thrive Church now, but, you know, the, the call of, of God on my life began at a very, very early age. And, and, I, and I felt like I wanted to contribute to the kingdom of God. And, and I was fortunate enough to have this kind of behind-the-scenes tour because my dad was a, a pastor. And, and I remember thinking, like, you know, I, I really want to serve. I really want to want to do things for, for the kingdom of God. And, and, uh, and so he's like, okay, great. We have paperwork for you to organize. I'm like, like what? Like I had an alphabet, I got stacks of paper. I had to alphabetize. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, like I didn't want to do this. Like, that's not what, that's not what I meant when I said, I want to, I want to make a difference. And so for a couple of years, I was like alphabetizing paperwork. And then, uh, and then before long, um, he's like, okay, well, you, you ready to move up? You ready? To, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm ready. It's okay. Now you get to answer the phones. <laughs> I'm like, I hate talking on the phone. I still hate talking on the phone. I'm like, okay. So I did that for a couple of years. And then, and then it's like, okay, you still want to serve? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay. The toilets need to be scrubbed. <laughs> and I'm like, really? And, and I tell people this. Now, people come to me from time to time. They're like, what do I got to do to get on full-time ministry? What do I got to do to serve God? I'm like, like if you want to ever serve in full-time ministry, you got to spend a lot of time on your knees in front of a toilet bowl <laughs> scrubbing that. Because let me tell you, it does something inside of you. When you say, you know, I'm serving these little boys that are going to come in here and destroy this bathroom in a few minutes. Man, you're like, work on that, kids. But, um, but, but when you're serving in these areas that nobody notices, it prepares you for when you have to serve in an area where people do notice. And if you just go to serving in an area where everybody notices and you never 
to have that behind the scenes on your knees in front of the toilet bowl, I don't quite think you're qualified. Because the servant's heart is someone who looks for an opportunity to serve. Where do we get these workers? He says, pray that, that workers will go and, and pray that the people will serve the communities and reach people for the kingdom of God. Where do we find these people? Do we find them in, in seminaries or schools? We find them on our knees in prayer. And we find those people on their knees in front of a toilet bowl serving, serving God in any way they can. So as I was thinking about it, like here, here's some different levels of serving. Here's, here's where you can look at like, like where am I today? And, 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 and depending on where you are in your own life, maybe this can help you to figure out what the next step is that you need to take. The, the first one is for those of you that just don't even serve anything at all. You're like, I just live my life for me, myself, and I. And, and, and that's how a lot of people are. That's okay. But the first one is the occasional serving. And, and what that is, you write this down, is that that's when you're serving when you see a need. I see a need. I see a kid getting ready to get hit by a train. <laughs> I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to serve. I see a need. I'm going to fill it. I'm going to see We have lots of needs. We're, we're, we're renovating this building. We're getting ready. There's a lot of needs. A lot of people see those needs like, oh, I'm going to jump in. And that's great. That's a great place for us to start is we see this need and we fill it. It's the occasional serving. But then for those of you that maybe have already, you do that. You know, you see someone, you serve, you do something, you see someone needs some help. They need their lawn mode. You help them out. We're occasional servants. But then the next level is the consistent serving consistent serving, which this is when I'm actively looking for opportunities to serve. I'm actively looking. I'm looking around. Maybe you come here to thrive. And you're like, I, I want to get involved doing something on a regular basis. Maybe maybe it's, you know, and, and Thrive Sprouts watching the little kids, or maybe it's running the sound or involved with the band, or maybe it's greeting someone, or maybe maybe it's outside of these four walls. Maybe it's, you know, uh, volunteering at a soup kitchen or or helping people in your neighborhood that, that uh, don't have the resources to, to, you know, mow their lawns or whatever else like that. It's when I'm actively looking for an opportunity. I'm going to consistently serve day in, day out, week in, week, week out. And so maybe that's what you need to, to step into. And then the last one is I think what God's ultimately called us to. Sometimes we have to work up to it. And it's the lifestyle serving. The lifestyle serving. Where, where my life is oriented around serving. My life is oriented. You may work another job. It does. I'm not saying this means you're going on a full-time ministry or even going to another country, although it may very well be that. But you're saying, God, my life is yours, and however you want me to serve, that's my main priority. That's my main priority. I go to work, but I'm going there so I can serve my boss and the other people that I work with. I, I, I go, you know, to sports. I go to school so that I can serve my teacher and the other students there. I go, you know, wherever it is that you go, we're going with the intention of serving that my life is focused around serving and not around myself. That's where greatness comes. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, learn to be a servant. It's what I call the parking lot phenomena. Have you ever seen this before? A business goes out of business. And what happens to that parking lot? Like six months later, you'll see like trees growing up to that parking lot, right? 
And you know, sometimes our lives are like that, aren't they? If, if we aren't using the gifts and the abilities that God has given us to serve others, weeds start growing. And before long, maybe even the usefulness for what we were originally intended begins to decline. That parking lot's not, not really, I mean, if, if you leave a parking lot long enough, it'll just turn to gravel, turn to dirt, and it'll go away. And, and in our lives, God has given us gifts and abilities, not so we can be cool, but so that we can serve others and we can serve the church. Because here's the thing, everyone dies, but not everyone truly lives. And I believe that if we want to be great, if we want to really live, it comes down to serving. You can write this down. If we aren't willing to serve God in the small things, he'll never trust us to serve him in the big ones. So all this is just a promotion for our cleaning team, you know? <laughs> We're going to have like a hundred people cleaning that place. Um, no, but I mean, seriously, I mean, you know, I would encourage you to look, maybe it's, maybe it's here, maybe it's in some other context, but look for ways that you can serve. We can only have an extraordinary life when God adds his extra to our ordinary you know, say, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not skilled enough. I, I don't have the talents that other people have. It doesn't matter. When God adds his extra to our ordinary, we become extraordinary. We make a difference for the kingdom of God, and he makes us great. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you. We thank you that you sent Jesus not as someone that came to be served, but as someone that came to serve. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the example that he set for us. And Lord, we ask you to help us to, to take that example and follow it so that we can serve those around us as well. Show us what you've called us to do, whether it's traveling around the world, helping the helpless, the hopeless, the hurting, or whether it's in our own backyard. Show us how we can live beyond ourselves. that we're not so self-centered anymore, but that we become Christ-centered, which in turn makes us others-centered. Help us to make a difference for you. Yeah, we ask that you will send people into this harvest, but Lord, we, we raise our hand too, saying, pick me, pick me. Send me. I'm willing to go. I'm willing to do whatever you have for me. I'm continuing to pray. I, um, some of you here maybe have never made that step of faith where you've put your trust, your faith, and your hope in Jesus Christ. In Scripture, it says that if you believe in your heart, that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead and you confess this with your mouth that you'll be saved. So I, I, I want to give you an opportunity to, to, to give your life to a king who came to serve you. Not even asking you to serve him. He said, I've come to serve you. And when we serve others, we do that as a reflection of his love for us. So if that's where you are, I would, I would invite you to take this moment we're going to say a prayer together. It's not a magic prayer. It's just, it's just stating what we already believe. And if you don't believe it, well, then don't say it. And I'll invite the rest of you that do believe that to join along as we pray, commit our lives to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, 
because he alone can make us rich. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is my Lord and that you rose from the, from the dead. Help me to serve you and to serve others. Thank you for giving me new life. Now I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can go and visit us at www.thrive.church. If you're ever in the area, we'd like to invite you to come and join us. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, we encourage you to leave a rating, review, share with your friends and family. Until next time, may you grow deeper in God's word each day.